That is so awesome. That's so badass, man. That's so great. Yeah, I, I have think only you Adidas, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so once it's a good uh, brand. Somebody gave me. Uh, you can record that on mine. Recording okay, okay. in progress. We'll do. Somebody so, gave you a uh, yeah. A Reebok shirt, and I wore it okay. for a few videos, but then I had to burn it down. Oh jeez. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it I mean, reminds I've been... me of the time that uh, I had the boss, mm-hmm. who, you know, uh, where I learned to basically not get involved with losers. Like, mm-hmm. so I had a boss. So that's why I, I almost like. I don't engage with negativity. Even like when mm. somebody makes like a hate video on me and it's easy for me to dispel it. Mm. I don't engage with negativity. So I had a boss. I learned this from him. He was a madman. Um, we were out for lunch and uh, he saw a guy who looked like to be very chummy with. They, they hugged it out. Like men hug, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We come back to the office. Dude is in a fucking... Uh, he's like half naked. So I said... Where's your shirt? I said, I burned it. <laughs> wow. That guy's that guy's a loser. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. And the dude, look, I look in the trash can, the fucking shirt is on fire, man. Oh my God. Oh my so, God. So I learned this from him. It's like you don't want any of the like uh, loser energy on you, bro. <laughs> Adidas is a winner's energy, man. I love it. That is great. It's funny because yeah. when I, I lived in, I grew up in Spain and um, I was born in Spain. So my parents um, are both Iranian. They fled the revolution in 1979. They moved to Spain and I was born there in uh, 87. And um, I remember Adidas was like such a huge brand in Europe. It's like like Spain specifically. I remember Puma, Adidas. There were a couple of other brands yep. that were ginormous. And I, I see a lot more Nike in the States. I don't really see. Adidas is like, I do see it sometimes. But I feel like Nike is like the dominant brand. But it's very European. Yes. Especially like Eastern Europe. You like uh, uh, Pepsi and Adidas and mm. Queen. Like mm-hmm. those three things are very, like what we thought was like Western culture is. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it's so funny, man. I, I really wanted to like pick your brain on, on some of the sort of that your time as, as an immigrant, because I, I can connect with you a lot. Like wh- I've been watching your videos for, for a while, ever since really your Dan Bilzerian video, which. Everybody uh, keeps saying that. But I know. <laughs> I, I spoke to somebody from his team. Okay. And uh, he does like uh, I'm not gonna say who I, I spoke to multiple people on this team actually. Mm. It's people who work with him, people like who manage companies for him. They all say he's the nicest guy ever. Nobody really? has the one bad word to say about him. It's shocking. Every wow. single person I spoke with, they reached out to me. First of all, they told me, even though he denied it, like uh, my friend uh, Jason Raznick, the the founder of Benzinga. Mm-hmm. So Jason specifically asked him if he knows who I am. Jason likes to go to these parties and he always goes to the Dan Bazarian parties. And he asked him if he knows who I am. He said, I don't know who the fuck the guy is. But wow. like uh, the people who work with him, they told me he definitely knows. But they all said like he's a super, super nice guy. Like wow. very respectful, just the coolest guy ever. Wow. Which was, I always thought he was a douchebag, but apparently he isn't like, he's just incompetent. <laughs> that, that's kind of what I was like curious to hear too, because he, I feel like he gives up this kind of vibe. He's just a very, he's very confident. It seems Every like, or I don't single know. Women, men I spoke yeah. to who worked with him, any interaction with him, they all say nicest guy ever, 
Wow. Super respectful. Fun to hang out with. N- not a bad thing to say about the dude. Wow. But that's, I think that's a great thing then. So if it's just like, you know, we know kind of, because his company right now, is, does, it, does it even exist? Has it gone bankrupt? I like know. I haven't I'm been following it. I don't know. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem like he's doing much with it. It's 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 flirting with the OTC level kind of, I think if it's not even OTC, it's probably Canadian. I don't even remember where they listed. Okay. I don't yeah, care. But I, I guess that's like the best outcome of that saga. Because at least, at least from, from the, from what we're hearing, he's a good guy. It's just a matter of like, you know, I think you were very good at pointing out just all the different things that were going on with the company that just made it yeah. made it look like a just it wasn't it wasn't a functional company. Especially, I from think he's stuff. playing a character, man. He's, he was sure. playing a character for Instagram, and it's working obviously for him. But like, I think yeah. the guy in real life is just like a regular dude with money. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think that, like he goes to bed with like fifteen women like he have on Instagram posts. You know what I mean? Like, it's a, such a show. Yeah. 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 Okay. I mean, I, I, I would not be surprised because you can see like where social media is at nowadays. It's like you always have this. You have two personas, right? You have the five percent of your time is on Instagram looking all happy and great. Look at how cool I am. And then the other 95 percent, like it's hard to tell, like the loneliness that's being felt and all that stuff or just being like just a regular guy or whatever. You know, it seems like he definitely knows how to play, play sort of that part of the social media cloud and everything definitely. like that. But yeah, it's, it's also really like interesting. A, when you when you go deeper, you you realize he's not even close to being like. There's so much shit going on mm. uh, on Wall Street and banking, and the right. stock market. I mean, Dan Bilzerian is not your problem, believe me, bro. Right, right, and, and that that was going to be one of my questions actually. So it's, I, I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of my segues. So you you are a unique voice on YouTube because you're somebody who. To me, so if I were to describe from my perspective, okay, and this is the first time we've ever met for people that are listening to this. I reached out to Tom um, uh, randomly, like almost a month ago or a few weeks ago. I was like, dude, like your videos. You want to hop on and talk? You're like, sure, I, that'd be great. I'm like, okay, great. Yeah, That's freaking no. awesome. If somebody yeah. asks me, I always say yes. That's awesome. Always, I, and, always, I, always. and I really, really appreciate that, Tom. I really do. But I think what's really interesting you about know how, you, you is- You know how many no's I got when I was starting out? When I would like, I was doing YouTube for years just for fun. Mm-hmm. I had a bunch of different channels. I used to do gazillion different channels. I mm-hmm. people when when I say I do this for fun and I would do this for free, mm-hmm. they think I'm just like being, a, you know, kind of paying lip service. Mm. Motherfucker, I did this for three for for three years for free. I had mm. like a I had a, a, a audio review channel. I had a how to do YouTube channel. I had um the business of the gaming industry chat i had like a bunch of the, whatever i was geeking on that point i was just basically i was making videos on never made money mm. of that for years mm. so um so basically yeah when i say i would do this for free i literally did so wow. um yeah that's not that's not lip service like yeah i'm, I'm blessed to be able to do this now and and do this for a living i feel like i've retired it's sure. my dream. It's my hobby. Now making content actually allows me just to retire. Did you uh, see yourself in this position when you first, like when you did your first YouTube video? Like, did you, did you have a vision for this eventually becoming that hobby that could lead you to no. where you are now? Or just, it just happened from, it just freaking happened. Like, no, this was always bit. just a hobby. It was never yeah. about the business for me. It was always a hobby. And then, um, uh, what happened is I quit right before the pandemic. 
It was mm. not related to pandemic, actually. I quit because I was burnt out. Mm. Um, I I saw a very disturbing thing when I was working. I my one of my friends, he's still like one of my best friends. Um, we used to both of us were senior managers, mm. um, and he made a horrible mistake. So we were working for the. Um, I worked for one of the big four companies. I don't want to say which, but you know, mm-hmm. the four. KPMG the four. and all those guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and all those guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So basically, we're both managing teams. We're doing transactional services. So basically, in transactional services, what you do is you do a lot of MA work. Mm-hmm. So if a deal is being worked on, let's say like a merger, right? Or an acquisition, MA, mm-hmm. right? So you would look at there's a lot of due diligence being done. There's legal due diligence, not us. There's accounting diligence, sometimes us, but other departments in, in the in the in the organization. And there's financial due diligence. It's basically you go through the financials, you see the financial health stability and and try to evaluate if there's any risk exposures, what's the true valuation is. It's usually being used in my years, very, very almost never it's a deal breaker unless there's something like cut. It's usually being done as a leverage tool. Like mm-hmm. they'll they'll use us if you can dig up something to make the deal a little bit sweeter, so they can say, yep. "Oh, you have this bad tire over here, whatever." Like if I'm using like a car analogy, right? Yeah. So, and one of the other types of work we were doing beyond just you know M and A and due diligence and stuff like that, we would do structuring work. So in structuring, basically, there's a company that's saying they want to start operating in a different uh, jurisdiction. And they would, they, you would optimize that operation in, in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of moving parts there. You'd have to look at what's the legal framework, right? People are falling asleep at this point. <laughs> no way. <laughs> what's, what's the, what's the legal framework? Intently. No, no, but okay. Like what kind of, like if you go to US, right? C Corp, S Corp, LLC, partnership, whatever, right? Yep. So what's the legal framework? What's the regulatory framework? What's the accounting standards? If it's like, it's a US GAAP or FRS, whatever. And one of the... Um, the, a lot of the moving parts is how do you move money? So let's say you open a subsidiary in a in a, a US company opens a subsidiary, let's say in the UK, right? So how would you, so the subsidiary makes money, how do you move money up the chain, right? Mm-hmm. So what kind of, there's this thing called withholding tax. When you pay tax, when you pay money from one country to another, there's a withholding tax mm-hmm. and there's different treaties. Each country has a tax treaty with, the, with another country. Well, not every country has it, but there's a very wide network of these treaties. The mm-hmm. US and UK definitely have one, by the way. But there, mm-hmm. it's almost, it's 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 very common. And the, you try to structure it basically to fit that. Even though you shouldn't, there's this thing called treaty shopping, which is not allowed. But basically, you try to make the business kind of optimize the business. So anyways, long story short, big, big deal. Massive numbers. I want to say hundreds of millions. Massive. Yeah. I don't want to say which. And deal is going forward pretty much on the brink of getting signed. And my best friend from work who manages a separate team, I wasn't working on that deal. He realizes that somebody on his team made a mistake that cascaded all the way up and nobody caught it. Not mm. the not the manager below him, not himself, and not the partner above him. Wow. But basically, like as the senior manager, you're kind of the goalkeeper for your for your partner. So the way it works, like it's like think of an army, right? General, like there's the colonel, right? Colonel, then there's the sergeant, then there's the troops. Yeah. Like 
it's his mistake basically as a senior manager that's your mistake you should yep. have known better yep and the uh, massive deal hundreds of dude was on the brink of killing himself bro wow it was horrible imagine the pressure like yeah. the psychological and for days and days I, I literally i think i had to i i had to talk to him to save him from doing something horrible wow and what ended up happening eventually god fixed it because the deal fell through believe it or not one in a million deal fell through on something completely different and unrelated wow and then my friend was like Whoa. and then i said i quit wow. <laughs> yeah i said i quit i quit motherfucker this is not happening to me ever 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 again yeah. I'm done i was already on the brink of being done i had yeah. a few incidents with, with with the partner i was working with yeah i was already kind of exhausted burnt out I had an incident where basically he told me, oh, if you leave now, you're fired. I had a thing with the family. And I had such a horrible relationship with this point. And then I saw this. I was like, later, boys, I'm out. Wow. I'm out. Yeah. And I don't give a shit what happens. So I quit. I was like, I'm going to go. Never going to go back for a big four. Not, a, not If I do anything, it's going to be super chill. I don't give a fuck. Like, I have three yeah. kids. And like, my kids are already getting older. I haven't seen them grow up at all. Like I've, yeah. my kids were at this point was like seven, uh, five and, and three. I was like, mm -hmm. I missed the entire fucking childhood, bro. I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go mm -hmm. fucking build chairs or whatever. Mm. And then yeah. I quit. Pandemic starts. All of a sudden, my channel with the Bilzerian video starts popping. Hundreds of thousands of views per video. And then I get the fucking ad revenue. It's like, what the fuck is this? I didn't mm -hmm. even know that there's this. I, it was monetized, but it was like pretty much beer money. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. a, I would make like a hundred bucks every three or four months. Right. I didn't even I didn't even know how to withdraw the money from Ad. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't have like a bank account. Set, set up an account. Like, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I was like, and then all of a sudden I open it up with like tens of thousands of dollars, bro. Wow. I was like, wow. really? I can make this, which this thing, which I do like for for laughs, for fun, and yeah. get paid. And then. Wow. It all started from there, and then people started asking other stuff. Then the, I had the Nicola story, which I was chasing. Yep, it was uh, that was fucking that. Like Dan was not a douchebag, and mm -hmm. but Nicola, they were fucking douchebags, bro. Yeah, yeah. they almost took down Trevor Milton. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was I, I was story. following that. Weren't you like kind of saying? I think it was you and somebody else was like, you know, giving the sort of what the truth was about the company at the time, certainly. And um, how how much me of a, and the, yeah. And Nate. Nate Anderson. That's right. Hindenburg Research. That's right. That's right. Nate what, what was, was even super nice to me when this whole thing blew up. Mm -hmm. Nate is the guy who saved me. Really? Nobody, nobody knows this because he's such a nice guy. So when this thing blew up, uh, so everybody saw that he was right and I was right because we were talking about this when Nicola was like, what, $80 per share? Yeah, yeah. Something it was crazy. like a peak or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then it blew up and then uh, they took down my channel. I already had the notification from YouTube. Your channel is gone. So wow. I was in the hospital with my kid. And I come out of the hospital. I get into a car. I'm exhausted, bro. All of a sudden, oh, your channel is gone. While wow. you were, so they fucking striked every single video that had any sort of B-roll of their stuff. Wow. And um, so, so Nate basically called up a reporter from the Financial Times. And he told her the story and uh, she basically, she did the story about it and she had to get comment from YouTube PR. And mm -hmm. when they heard about it, they basically removed the strikes. Wow. 
So Oh my goodness. So they oh wait, no, they removed one strike. So mm-hmm. then I had only two, but you know, I was uh, I was back kind of mm-hmm. being compliant. Mm-hmm. And then I had two strikes. The first thing I did next morning is basically go at Nicola. <laughs> I said, you have 24 hours to remove my strikes. Unless <laughs> otherwise I'm gonna start the fucking GoFundMe and we're gonna raise hundreds of thousands of dollars. I remember that sue video. your ass. And yeah. this thing where hours later the strikes were gone. <laughs> I went, you know, because oh that's like God. they teach you like you have to play offense. You can't just Yeah, play. of course. I was like, of course. fuck you. I'm, I was I was like, I was so low at this point. I was like, yeah. when you have nothing to lose, you basically like, you know. Fuck yeah, me. you had no fear. You were backed against the corner essentially at that point. Yeah. I mean, I guess in, in, a, in a sense and just the, the warrior comes out at that point, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm coming after you. Dude, that's so, that's such a, oh my God, that's so wild. It's like one of the things that I, I caught from, from the stories you were telling there, and I kind of want to see if I can draw a parallel. So the first story you told about your friend at the company, who was uh, making a deal and, you know, in a position where he made a mistake and it was so, so much pressure. He was feeling so much pressure or such, you know, blight that he was freaking almost at wit's end. Right. So when I worked, it's uh, it's devastating, bro. Right. When I, at the company I was before, so I worked at Tesla for four years and I started this channel a few months after, but before that I was a director of business intelligence and pricing at the company before. And we were going through a deal with a private firm where they were doing the due diligence to uh, acquire the company, okay? And uh, I was in charge of, my team, me and my team were essentially in charge of basically providing all the data around the company. So I was very tightly, very close to that process. And I remember, you told me that story, my, I started getting goosebumps because I was in that same exact situation where I, had, I was responsible for the whole data. So then I caught something I did almost at the very last minute where I'm like, oh my God, this is like, I totally messed this up. I, something where the different, the different facilities that we had yeah. had different numbers. Okay. And, and they were like, I don't know, there was a join that I messed up somewhere. And I literally, I can't tell you the, the, the feeling that I had, everything was just tight. My chest was tight. My, I, I honestly think I was having a panic attack for like two days straight. Yeah. Almost. Thankfully, you can't we were sleep, able to you can't it. eat, Dude. you can do nothing. Yeah. It was crazy. And so what I'm really curious to hear, so you take that and, and that was one of the main things that said you And quit, by the way, if you, know, you work yeah. in a consultant, if you work in consultancy, yeah, there's no, it's like uh, you're bound to have, uh, you're not a robot. You're always going to, yes. this moment is sometimes going to come. It's impossible, it's impossible to be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's absolutely impossible. And that was one of the main lessons I learned from that. It's like, dude, you're gonna make it. The, the, the biggest thing I learned from that experience is the bigger the bigger things you do, the bigger your mistakes. That's just yeah. what happens when you're responsible for bigger stuff. But you also talked By about the your- By the way, tra- you know, Nicola yeah. are yeah. doing better. They're doing mm-hmm. now what they should have done in the beginning, mm. which is not hire Trevor. Trevor was mm. not needed for this company at all. Mm-hmm. Like outside of the PR hype, look, Nicola, they have another problem. I think uh, for people who are not familiar with Nicola, Nicola had two people, basically, they have three people managing the company mm. from day one, which was Steve Gursky, who led the SPAC, former GM, super smart guy, obviously. I mean, uh, come on. Mm-hmm. Look at him up. He's a smart dude. You, you have also very good investors. I'm not going to name them, but like really smart investors. Mm-hmm. including one that's very very known one. I'm not going to repeat them. And you had a guy who used to be the chief operating officer of a company called Worthington. It's a massive public company from the Midwest, okay? 
Worthington okay. Industries. And, and his name is Mark. So Mark was the CEO. Steve Gersky was the chairman of the board, I believe. And Trevor was, oh, whatever capacity. I don't remember. So basically Trevor was maybe chairman of the board. And Mark was the CEO and Steve was just, the, and I don't remember the, the, the roles. Yeah. But basically when they kicked out Trevor, they kept Mark. Even though mm-hmm. Mark was part of the original gang that that basically made all those, like he was around when Trevor were making all these crazy uh, statements. They mm-hmm. were making like hydrogen on site. I remember all this bullshit that Trevor mm-hmm. was spewing. Mm-hmm. He was the CEO when Trevor was basically saying this and he didn't say anything, right? Mm. So now he's he's still the CEO and he's a smart guy, very smart guy. And he's doing all the right stuff for the company. Mm-hmm. He's definitely like killing it right now. Mm-hmm. And I can explain why. Um, but he has a responsibility for the shit that happened when Trevor was there. He, I don't understand how he gets to stay, but it's just my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. As far as like um, what Mark did after Trevor left, which is exactly what Nicola should have been. They're kind of like Hylian. Very interesting, small business is going to make a lot of money, not going to be very disruptive, but it's going to be very relevant. Mm. Look at what they're doing right now. They they took a fucking existing S-Way, Iveco. You're not from Europe. So Iveco is a big, big brand in Europe Okay. For, for trucks. In Europe, you don't have a lot of these big rigs like you have in the US. In Europe, mm-hmm. it's more kind of the daily trucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the distances are not that huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a very kind of like a workhorse truck. It's called the Iveco S-Way. Uh, a name that wouldn't work in the US, by the way. Okay. <laughs> S-Way. S-way. Uh, it's like a cultural thing. But anyway, it works for an Italian company. It makes sense. So they took the, the Iveco truck. They they put, a, I think, a Romeo battery in. I don't remember who used, whose battery. And they slap a logo on it, Nicola. And mm. it's fucking brilliant. Here you go. And with a daily kind of delivery truck, you don't care about the weight as much of the battery mm. like you would with a with a with a class eight you know what i mean right right 18 so wheeler actually, like the big yeah, guys yeah so it actually yeah. yeah so it actually works uh it works and uh sandy monroe checked it out and he liked it so okay. so it's a nice little business of electric trucks basically yeah. it's kind of a retrofitted the retrofitting an existing truck Iveco is kind of a jv with this thing so it's not going to be the next tesla okay mm-hmm. That was the kind of, you know, the... the right, but it story. doesn't need to be, right, for it to be it successful. It doesn't need to be. It doesn't right. need to be. It never needed to be. Trevor was fucking this grandeur complex. Uh, yeah, journey. yeah. So kudos to Mark for basically doing this the right way. Yeah. But his part, he has responsibility for what Trevor did. He was the CEO. Yeah. He can't say, I didn't know. I didn't, I wasn't part of that. So just yeah. my opinion. No, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that and that's that's become very interesting to watch too. It's like as... You know, I've been following Tesla since 2012. Like I first invested December 5th, 2012 was the first time I bought Tesla. And Dave Lee, which I know you spoke with, he was brilliant. He guy. had these brilliant guy. He had these mega threads on Tesla Motors Club forums online. And around mm-hmm. that time is I had got my first job a couple of years before that. And I started accumulating a, f- a few dollars. I went from like negative 100,000 net worth to negative 80,000 net worth because of all the student loans and whatever. Like, okay, so if, yeah. I'm, if I want to get myself out of this freaking hole, I got to figure out how to build wealth. And I stumbled upon the forums and I saw sort of Dave's mega threads. And, you know, long story short, basically up th- 10 years later, I worked for Tesla, you know, it basically gave me financial uh, independence that entire journey, which has been just, I'm so blessed and thankful for that. But the bigger, the bigger story there is that it really does seem like Tesla is on a path of just really taking 
say, majority share of whatever's going on in the EV space, say, you know, from my opinion, but there's still going to have to be other players that come in and try to like, you know, try to take on the things that Tesla just physically won't be able to do either because of monopoly laws or there's simply, there's simply room for more players. So like, how, how do you think about that, say in the next like five years, do you think this is going to be a thing where the legacy or like the 10 ne- the next 10 years, do you think it's a thing where it's a legacy? Okay. Yeah. Look, walk me through how you're thinking about it. Yeah. Okay. What's the biggest auto category in the United States? Trucks. Uh, yeah. They're not in trucks. Yeah. At least I'm, I'm there, I don't I haven't seen one yet. Uh so that's wide open. Mm. Whoever takes the trucks and the so you have a few players that are already kind of uh, gunning for it. Nobody took the trucks yet. Mm-hmm. So they have the Cybertruck which is a um timing unclear and also it's very kind of a hit or miss. You either love it or you hate it as far as it mm-hmm. doesn't look like a classic truck, right? Mm-hmm. So Rivian is out there very expensive truck, more kind of like a gadgety little truck. It mm-hmm. doesn't like it can't like if you've seen the the Rivian, it, it doesn't it can't do what the F one fifty can. Do. It's it's yeah, it's like an outdoorsy of, adventure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like so if you want a Gladiator or or Rivian, you know what I mean. It's kind of a, yeah. you, you have to be an asshole. No, just <laughs> I'm just saying this because my friend and partner Justin, uh, he drives a Gladiator, so that's okay. Why I keep busting his balls. Yeah, sense invest have, right. Like, yeah, I think yeah. And then gotcha. you have the the F one fifty, which is kind of the sta- the gold standard, and they're and and they have all the expertise and, and the knowledge. Is, so if they can just slap on the battery mm-hmm. on the F one fifty, they're gonna make they're gonna make a big dent in the in the in the category. So mm-hmm. that's completely open. Um, so it's not like trucks are wide open, right? Uh, even um, two we two wheel. Category is wide open. I mean, there is a, a, a there's a guy up up there in Seattle who's doing Archimoto, who, who does kind of this. Yep. Uh, so so there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, room in 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 electric vehicles. Because yep. If you just stop thinking about it like a Ford or sedan, you know what I mean? Yep. Yep. hundred percent. But but do you yeah. think do you think those players are going to be legacy players like Ford GM, or do you think this is a place where it's going to be the new the new entrance because the way the way I think about it and this is where I kind of I'm struggling so from my standpoint I'm struggling to see how Ford and GM can make that switch because of the amount of debt that they have on their balance sheet plus the amount of things that they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis you have the bureaucracy from 100 years ago you got a uh, you know you got unions you have all these yep. layers uh, and then I don't know if you ever read The uh, Innovator's Dilemma, but it's basically this story that basically says that the more entrenched you are in a specific thing and then a disruptor comes in, the only outcome you have is failure because it's basically impossible to turn the ship 90 degrees to the left or to the right, yeah. right? So do you think this is an instance where, you know, do you think that the legacy folks are still going to be able to survive into the ten, next 10 years? Or do you see this being like a brand, like a bunch of brand new brands are going to come out of nowhere and take the remaining market share that Tesla doesn't have today. How, how do you think about it? Or haven't, or you haven't thought about that that deeply. I'm, I'm curious to no, hear No, I thought about, about it. Like yeah. if you ask uh, SMR, he will tell you, no, they're going to be bankrupt for sure in like three years, right? He's very aggressive on this or five years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Oh, Stephen Mark Ryan, you, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, SMR, he, yeah, he gotcha. Would, yeah, yeah, so he'll tell you like, he's very aggressive. I love yes. that about him. Yeah. So far, he has a hundred percent success rate. So you know, feel fuck the haters. <laughs> yeah. Um. So he hasn't been wrong yet. Um. 
so also like people are oh his portfolio is 100 tesla well so far it worked out fine for him nope. yeah so what's the problem yeah uh, oh it's gonna crash well talk <laughs> to me when it crashes man okay right um anyways so the way i look at it is very simple so they're definitely all the legacy items they have an uphill battle because of what you mentioned mm-hmm. um ford ford is struggling with ah 10 years of neglect complete neglect gm are a little bit better so gm has better financials uh, uh slightly better infrastructure for electrics Ford is basically starting from scratch. They had the guy who built closets for a CEO, forgot his name. Mm-hmm. And then the, they got in actually a good a good CEO now. Mm-hmm. But he's like so behind and shit. But as you mentioned, there's other issues with, you know, how many resources you can commit. You still have to service the what actually, you know, feeds you now. So this, yeah. you know, we're not going to get into that right now. But yeah. um, so the, the question is, can they survive? Uh, it's very tough to say. Uh, I think that the the answer is is how should I put it? Can they pivot fast enough mm-hmm. without completely destroying the infrastructure that they have right now? So for for them to do that, You'd have what what um, Ford are doing right now. We like to take shots at Ford, but basically spinning off the entire EV business into a separate company actually makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's a hail mary for them right now yeah. because they're so far behind. But I mean, if you separate it and you say, okay, 100% of resources for that are going to go, for, and you can and you can definitely generate some cash flow. If I mean, uh, look. Um, it's definitely it's, they cannot coexist in this legacy OEM with how big Tesla has gotten. Yeah, EVs and and uh, internal combustion engines in the same company cannot coexist. It's just right. Tesla is so far ahead on engineering, on infrastructure, on engineering of engineering. As as basically, it's it's kind of you know, uh, it's exponential growth. Yeah, it's very hard for them. Well, the one thing I will tell you is like Ford at least. They have the F-150, which is a very strong brand. So, yeah. so Ford's standard of execution for that is not that high, to be honest. Mm. It's it's a big fan base. And if you can just put out, like, slap a battery on F-150, make it look normal and, and serviceable, yeah. they're going to sell a lot of these. It's just, it's a, there's a lot of loyalty for that brand in the US. Yeah. So yeah. they have that. GM is in the tighter spot. Like... GM's brand loyalty is trash. I mean, think about it, right? If you, why would you buy a G, price is like mainly like price. Nobody buys a GM and say, "Oh, I'm." Well, there's a few things people who are like like Chevy guys, you know, Chevy mm-hmm. person for like, but mainly yep. like it's a, it's a commodity. A car is now a commodity, right? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Ford F150 is not a commodity. It's a it's it's kind of a loyalty brand. Yeah. Tesla isn't a commodity. It's a loyalty brand. So yeah. that's why I'm saying Ford, even though they're in a shitty situation financially, much they worse than loyalty. GM. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they have the F-150, such a strong brand. Uh, their execution level has to be just enough on par. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see. I think the, the one thing that I 
that I'm afraid of with these legacy automakers, like say GM or a Ford, like say, say they aren't able to, to turn the ship, like the way you described it, you know, like you have to take a risk and you have to be able to pivot really, really quickly without sort of <laughs> collapsing under your own weight in a sense. Right. So yep. like, I'm curious, like how this is going to play out, you know, in the next say three to five years, like if that doesn't happen and the ripples that that means, like say Ford and GM cannot you know, and in my head, it's like, if they don't do this in five years, my opinion is that they're going to be in such a corner that they're not going to be able to remain profitable. And they're going to have to figure out how to sort of, you know, either liquidate assets. I have no idea how that stuff works usually, but they're going to have to do something. But like the, the waves, the shock waves that's going to send through the economy is going to be very interesting because that's thousands of jobs lost, tens of thousands of jobs lost. And how quickly is the economy going to like come back and, and sort of like Th that's why fill that gap, Biden, you know? Because they're ass. Right, exactly. They're trying to he like them. set themselves up for a for a stimulus or something, you know. But they don't understand. This is this is twenty twenty two. You can't create narratives anymore. Right. You're you're getting called out. You know when, like it. That's the problem with Biden, bro. He doesn't understand that. So it's not a political statement. It's a factual statement. I hate mm -hmm. all politicians. So mm -hmm. you know, kiss my ass on both sides. Democrat <laughs> and Republican. Both of you can kiss my ass. <laughs> so when uh, Biden basically said, oh, it's Putin's fault. The inflation has gotten so bad. And the, we were talking about the February numbers, legacy yeah. Feb February numbers. I think this like 15 years ago, 20, nobody calls you out on that. And it's like, but now Reddit is out there. Mm. Then you're getting called out immediately. So yeah. he can't, they're trying to manage these uh, situations the way they used to be managed like 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. oh, let's just let's just create a narrative that GM is leading. You're gonna get called out. How many yeah. votes you think Biden lost by this GM shenanigan? I think a lot, man. I think a lot of votes. What do you think? It's a bad look. Yeah, it's a bad look. Yeah, because it's like blatant lie. It's not yeah. even about like oh I don't. I think GM has the better potential. That's what that would have been a fair <laughs> statement, right? Yeah. Oh, I, I believe in the American the blah, 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 blah. No, it's like, oh, yeah. So I completely, the way he did it is like, it was so, I felt like I was in. They're leading. Venezuela. They're the leaders, you know, yeah, they're like, it was like yeah. Venezuela slash like USSR kind of level of <laughs> propaganda. It's like, what sure. Is yeah. <laughs> Bad move, bro. I, I'm right there with you, man. I think, and, and I, I can't remember. I think I'm one of my earliest videos on my channel was that was. Because I had just, I had just literally just had left Tesla, and then I, I, the the first time I heard the United States, the president of the United States, talk about sort of like electric vehicles in earnest, yeah. he was given the credit to somebody else, and I was like, okay, I worked there for four years, I went through 2017, 2018, 2019, peak fud, everybody's just shitting on the company left and right. I'm I'm going home and I have friends and family telling me, dude, you should leave your job because Elon's losing his mind and they're going bankrupt, blah, blah, blah. And then we're able to turn the corner or you know, keep going where we're going. And then actually the, you know, the stock market and everybody else realizes just how 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 such a how good of a thing Tesla is from that perspective. And then the first time the the United States, the president of the United States really talks about it in earnest, gives just the credit to somebody else. I was like, I felt I'm like, why do I feel so angry? Because I'm like the same as you. Like, I don't have, I'm not really a left or a right guy. I'm kind of like 
I, I don't really pick sides. I'm more about character and individual. Like what can the individual do for, for, the, for the country? But then you have this person come out and be like, all the work you did, all the work you guys, all your friends and your coworkers did, nah, that's not, that's not really what was happening. It freaking hurt, man. That really hurt to watch. And it left an impression, and I know it left an impression on a lot of different people. As well. I'll ask so that, you one one question. What did Mary yeah. Barra do? I'm not even trying, not Mary Barra versus Elon. What did she do for electric vehicles? And, except for investing in, in a Scamola, whatever the, <laughs> Scamola. Ah, <laughs> Scamola. <laughs> <laughs> what That's did she good. do? I mean, I don't know, a, dude. She, when did she join she, GM? Wait, she made a car that caught fire. They had to recall every single yeah. unit, right? Yeah. So, and then Nicola. That's the only, and. Yeah. I honestly can't think of anything like the only the only way I can think of that narrative making any sense is like, OK, so GM had the EV1, you know, two decades ago or however it's long that primal was. sin. EV1 is yeah. not something to be proud of. It's exactly it's, EV1 is a shame. It's like yeah. a, it's like a taint forever, ever, ever. It's yeah. like Xerox and the personal computer. It's so it's true. A, it's the it's the cataclysmic mistake of the of the decade of the century. This is this is worse than Xerox and IBM, bro. Yeah. Like you had it. You had it. Yeah. You had it like two decades before everybody else. Nobody yeah. was like, why? They just had to keep going. That's all they Idiots. had to do. Yeah. You yeah, I don't it. know, man. And then, and then Toyota. And then Toyota. They had it. They yeah. had it with the Prius. Again, Prius wasn't, uh, people forget how long ago Prius came out. Mm -hmm. When Prius came out, nobody was like, a hybrid? Like, yeah. It's like saying email. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, and they had it and they get they all ah. Yeah, it's frustrating to watch for sure. And I, and I when I saw that whole thing happen, I was again, you know, like I, I was really upset by it. But the one thing you said just now was that, you know, it, it these politicians can't really get away, you know, even just like institutions in general. Nowadays we live in a in a world where people can't really get away with saying that kind of stuff anymore because the the population kind of has alternative ways to getting the correct information. Do you feel a responsibility to be that side of the story with your channel? I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that, of telling what's actually happening. Like, I how do feel you view like that? I'm, I, I'm, I'm like a columnist. I have my opinion. I go mm. out every day and I share my opinion. Sometimes mm. I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong. I'm not fucking pretending to be the next Warren Buffett. I'm not the Oracle. Just a guy with an opinion, and I like to call it like I see it. My main strength is not in the quality of my analysis. There's better analytics guys than me for sure. There's better investors. There's people who know more about me than, you know, in finance. My strength is I have a big platform and I owe nothing to nobody. Mm. I can say whatever the fuck I want about whoever the fuck I want. I have absolutely nothing. The only thing I have is I have a relationship with a company called Tip Ranks. Mm. And the only reason I have it is because I fucking used the product for a whole year on my videos. They just reached out to me and said, hey, you've been using our shit. You want an affiliate link? I said, sure, why not? Mm. I'm using the product. I'm loving it. Sure. And then we built a relationship. That's the mm. only, like, that's the only thing I have, like a business relationship. And even mm. that, I honestly don't give a fuck. If if mm. for if at some point I need to say some bad shit about them, I'll say it and so be it. Whatever happens, happens. I'm mm. not like they don't own me. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The reason they don't own me is because this whole business is built on people who watch my shit. 
that's my only fiduciary duty. Mm. I don't have a big sponsor, not Webull, not Robinhood, not anybody. Nobody. I don't have a boss. I don't have an editor. I don't have nothing that hold me back from saying that Nicholas is a scam or from that fucking, you know, Joe Biden is a fucking idiot. Nobody can ban me or nobody can do nothing to me. Mm. So when people go to mainstream media and they turn on CNBC or that stuff, they're getting a very uh, managed narrative. So like a lot of the Tesla folks, they know exactly what I'm talking about to this day. Yeah. The things to this day, like you go to mainstream media, it's gotten better. It's gotten better. But like, go look at clips of Kramer or Phil LeBeau or all these other talking head idiots, like from years and years, you see it. So people like my strength is, okay, I'm not always going to be right, but I'm going to tell it exactly like I see it. And I, I won't mind if I offend anybody. And I don't mind if, like, I don't need access to fucking, I don't need access to Mary Barra. Like, yeah. You know, they won't get an interview with Mary Barra. Okay, fuck. I don't need I don't need nothing from anybody. Not from Ford, yeah. not from GM, not even from Tesla, not even from Palantir. Do you know this? Like, I had this thing where Palantir, but oh, Tom, you're in love with Palantir. Palantir had the Q3 financials. The call was was managed by Sham Sankar, who's the chief operating officer, mm. not Alex Karp. And I made mm. a whole video saying that this was a horrible call. I, I, I said, Sham did a poor job. He was fucking cringe. It was horrific. And I, I 20 minutes of just basically ripping him a new one. Mm. And and the, so before that, before that video, they asked me if I want to do an interview. Since that interview, I, I, since that, <laughs> that they haven't they replied. They request. <laughs> so no, they haven't replied. I said, yes, to the interview. And I kind of think about it because I honestly, even, even Palantir was like my baby, right? Yeah. Like, Tom, it's Palantir. I don't care. I'll say whatever yeah. the fuck I want. And people, because the only people who, my community exists financially because people go on Patreon and they, they pay $5 per month and they watch my videos and they watch ads. So mm. basically my audience is the only ones I give a shit about. Mm. And if, and it's, so you might say, well, Tom, if you say something against audience who doesn't like, let's say some, let's say I change my mind about Palantir, mm-hmm. right? Or Tesla. And I say some shit about, okay, some people will leave because, oh, I hate you now. Yeah. New people will join that hate Tesla yeah. or hate Palantir, right? So yeah. I, I don't I don't mind. That's I have complete freedom, which mainstream media doesn't have. And that's why that's why people fuck with me. That's the only reason. It's not mm. because like, there's so much better like financial guys. Like they look at people like do YouTube videos finding mistakes in my DCFs. Motherfucker, who gives a shit, bro? Yeah. I, okay, so you find mistakes in my DCF. Or like yeah. they like, oh, you misquoted that. Or it's like, Sure, bro. No worries. Yeah. It's not my strength. My strength is my independence. I can say whatever yeah. I want. And people want unfiltered information. That they, since you remember when we were younger, like CNN and Fox was actual like outlets. Yeah. Where you could get like, there was like seeing what like news and, and mainstream media has become today is kind of alarming because we kind of saw before it went to shit. It yeah. was actually good. Uh, this whatever the fuck this is is yeah it's it's a weird it's a weird place it's very tabloid Bro, nature yeah it's like tucker carlson yeah yeah <laughs> is he on tv or <laughs> yeah he's on tv yeah <laughs> he's always he's on tv so. yeah i know it's crazy it's a crazy I, mean, w- 
I don't mind watching like if I watch uh, what's the guy with this with the glasses the English guy a funny guy oh uh, John, uh, uh, Oliver John Oliver John yeah. okay so I watch John Oliver so I know kind of the narrative I it's a it's a it's an entertainment mm. show I don't mm. I don't I, I don't want to turn on CNN and watch John Oliver tell me what the actual news yeah. are. This, yeah. is a, this, is a, this is what it's become. You know what I mean? Dude, let me give you a perfect example of this. And you, I don't know how this is going to make you feel, but when the whole Russia-Ukraine stuff started, and obviously you're, you're, you're Russian and you've talked about this a lot. You know who I came to to get my Russia-Ukraine I was news? actually born in Crimea. You know how fucked up that is? Where are you really? Holy shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's so confusing. Wow. Yeah. Dang. But I came to your channel, which is like the weirdest. I didn't go to CNN. I didn't go to Fox. And I don't know if this is good or bad, but I came to your channel to get information about what's going on and trying to get a take from like the ground. And I think obviously that speaks to the fact that you're a trustworthy voice, but I think the bigger thing it says is like, we don't have institutions that are supposed to be reporting news and information that people actually trust. And that is such a weird place to be in, you know? It's yeah, it's, it's it's such an odd thing, man. How much- it, it, how, At least look, at least we're not as bad as Russia. Sure. They literally, 2022 and they canceled, they kind of, they did something I didn't know it was possible. They completely shut everything down, like social media, every sort of media. They, they, I don't know how they did it, bro. Yeah, it's. I, I'm, I'm not very familiar with that side of like the country. They shut but it everything, does seem like everything down, bro. That There's seems hard to do. You can't take so, so you can't be in contact with anybody on the ground there. Like, can you reach out to anybody? Can they bypass it somehow? No, you can reach, but every media they consume. It's like you you can't on Twitter, you can't on Facebook, you can't on Instagram. Everything is basically blocked, and wow. the, and and the entire like all the foreign media is out, is banned. It's just like right. Russian media, and the, it's insane. Bro. It's, there was Jeez, a rally, man. like they just did a rally with Putin, and like they packed like seventy thousand people in the stadium. Did they like a sudden cut or something? I just literally yeah, watched there, that right before there this. There was yeah. a problem there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, nobody knows exactly what happened. Maybe they get yeah. hacked or something. I don't know. Mm. But you can see it looks like fucking Nazi Germany, bro. Wow. It's the same vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah. With the fucking Z thing. And like, it's yeah. like, what the fuck is this? I was watching this. I was like, what the fuck is this? So this is very different from the usual, like how it usually is in Russia. Like, is there a stark difference in how it's it's developed? Like, do you have any insight into how it's like evolved? No, it's, yeah. it's different. He's popular. Like Putin isn't, uh, isn't like uh, the North Korean guy. Where it's like mm. just fear. Mm. He's genuinely like popular in Russia. Mm. Mm. Uh, but something like this, it's just kind of this, it's kind of a combi combined wartime rally behind the flag mentality, plus mm. block off all foreign media, just pump the Russian narrative, and you get this fucking uh, frenzy of people like, yeah, let's uh -huh. go. Is it? I Hardcore populist, yeah. So look, I spent about six hours watching Russian propaganda on Saturday, mm -hmm. a week ago. And when I say Russian propaganda, not the shitty one, not the cheap one for the idiots, the good one mm. for the intellectuals. <laughs> and it's good. It's oh, really? really good. Yeah. It's well done. Wow. I had to call a friend of mine. So look, even though I sound like my accent is very thick, um, it's I'm really fucked up because I have a thick accent in English when I speak and I have a thick accent in Russian when I speak. I don't have a language where I sound like a normal human being. Dude, anymore. I wanted to talk to you about this because I forget who you brought this up with, man. But that it's connected with bro. me. Dude, I was born in Spain and I lived there for 12 years. And for like, even now, I still have a, a slight accent. But when I speak Spanish, I have a hardcore English accent. 
And when I when I speak English for the longest time, even to this day, I have like a Spanish accent. And I felt like like you said, I don't I didn't have a home. And I can and, and I can hear dude. Farsi. And I can hear also yes. Farsi. I yeah. can hear it. Because you sound like Patrick by David. It's the same uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's the same accent. I'm yeah. gonna have him on my on my on my channel real soon. He awesome. said, wanna come on. We awesome. share very similar opinions about macro and stuff and, and okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see that. But yeah, that, that's when you made that statement, I was like, wow, like it, it, you described it so well because for the longest time, and I wanted to ask you a question about that, but I'll, I'll push it to later because we're on this. Uh, Wait, uh, I like, forgot to tell you what happened. Yeah, yeah. Hold your that, that was going to say. So I called Go my ahead. friend. I called my friend. It was like a real, real Russian. And he, he actually like a not brainwashed. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I just watched this and this and this. And it's, it's really good. And then uh, what am I missing? And then he told me, "Hey, this and, this. and so he, I had to be pulled out of the of the propaganda because it was really working. Wow! Because it was really well done. I knew it was bullshit, but I was like, "What am I missing?" And then he told me, "Okay, this and this and this." And. Very very well done. Anyway, so what? Tell me the story. No, I, I was going to say, like, are you surprised? Are you surprised by that at all? Like, did you think Russia was? Like, are you surprised with what what has happened in the last, say, three to four weeks? And are you surprised by how, now that you saw this yeah. propaganda, by how like sophisticated it is? I'm mainly surprised that they they actually invaded. I didn't think they would, mm -hmm. because it's a losing game for them. Right. People think that the Russia taking over Ukraine is a win. It's 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 not a win. It's it's going to be. It's it's the it's the end of the Russian dominance, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And people like there's a lot of um, Russia apologists online, it's mm -hmm. including some Americans actually, which is weird. I I'm weirded out by this shit. Mm -hmm. There's some Americans like with like hatred towards America. I I don't understand these people. Like they're yeah. so filled with self hatred and loathing, bro. So they kind of uh, like oh Russia is beating uh, Ukraine. Yeah, motherfucker, that's not the point. Nobody's, nobody thinks that Ukrainians are going to win this. And if, even though they're putting up the fight of the century, nobody gave them a shot. Right. They're basically going like, it's like a fucking 15-year-old kid going with Mike Tyson in his prime in the ring. And mm. this is like round eight. Mm. It's like, nobody thinks this kid is going to beat Mike Tyson, but what they did so far is fucking insane. Mm -hmm. It's insane, bro. Mm -hmm. They're fucking beasts. Anyways, so... It's a lose-lose for him because like the once he invaded, he basically put himself in this impossible situation. He needs the sanctions to go away. People like to talk about the sanctions that are going to backfire on the US. Probably they'll backfire on everybody. When you sanction like a big producer of, of commodities and energy, it's, it, it's going to be ripple effects. Yeah. But you just, uh, people don't realize this, but by the sanctions are are very destructive to the Russian economy. We might suffer pricing, in, inflation, and all that for sure. But uh, once you basically cut them off of their foreign reserves, uh, their currency is going to trash. That's why they didn't open their stock market for three weeks or whatever. It's closed since they still. because they know they know what's going to happen. I don't know if it's still closed or not. I think it might be. I don't even give a shit at this point. It's it's who cares? Yeah. It's it's double digit inflation per month. It's insanity. It's basically hyperinflation. Russia is headed to 1998. As far as when you don't, when the central bank of Russia does not have foreign currency to, to prop up their own uh, ruble, it's, 
It's a very dangerous law. Anyways, yeah. so he needs the sanctions to go away because uh, they need the money. So they're getting enough money right now to survive because energy prices are high and commodities prices are high. So he's getting foreign currency in the country. But it, it's not enough f- for basically to counter effect the devaluation of the ruble. They need mm-hmm. access to the to the $640 billion of foreign reserves they have frozen right now. So the only way out for him right now is just to get a deal done mm. with Ukraine. If he conquers Ukraine, or if he, God forbid he kills Zelensky, he's done. That's why, did you ever ask yourself why Russia isn't bombarding Kiev? I mean, they have the sky, right? Yeah. So why not? Why why doesn't he bombard Kiev? It's the wrong move. That's the only it, reason, right? Killing Zelensky is pretty yeah. much his, his GG for Putin. It's It's yeah. done. He needs a deal. He needs a deal done because the deal is his only way out of the sanctions. If there's a deal and everybody's like kumbayaing around the campfire, we can roll back the sanctions, which is what everybody wants. Yeah. And basically, then he goes back to normal. If he kills them, if they conquer Ukraine, okay, great. You're stuck with this country you have to provide for. <laughs> and there's yeah. massive sanctions. So good luck with that. Yeah. Um, and a population that probably is extremely unhappy from what I've seen. I don't know anything about the dynamic, yeah. but it does seem like Ukrainians unhappy. are fiercely independent. Yeah. Including the Russian, uh, the ethnic Russians mm. in Ukraine who fucking hate him right now. Mm. And if you leave, okay, so you, a lot of people died. You spent a lot of money and you left Ukraine basically back to square one. Okay, good. Anyway, so he needs a deal done to roll back the sanctions. And uh, because he can't get anything on the ground, to push leverage against the Ukrainians. So mm. he, he can't get a good deal. So it's a problem. He needs more achievements. So he starts basically bombarding civilian population and then they get even more zealous about uh, going anti-Russia. So yeah. his entire plan is a total bust. The plan was roll in, government is going to run away. They're a bunch of idiots, right? Army yeah. is going to, Ukrainian army is going to fall apart. Locals are going to love us because this is like in Crimea, this is exactly what happened. Like people don't understand, but Crimea was not conquered. Crimea, there was not a single bullet fired. Mm. It was just annexed and and gladly because Crimea is pretty much Russia, to be honest. Mm. I know Ukrainian people right now hating me for this, but I'm not pro-Putin, you know, uh, fuck Putin and fuck, mm-hmm. the, is a, uh, no problem saying that. Mm-hmm. But Crimea was always part of Russia until uh, I think in the 50s uh, Khrushchev actually gave it to Ukraine I, I think he was Ukrainian <laughs> but he it was a symbolic act it meant nothing in USSR mm. because it, it was just kind of a symbolic act but Khrushchev basically made Crimea Ukrainian mm. but it's ethnically Russian <laughs> completely it's not it's not Ukrainian <laughs> yeah. so they made a referendum there if they want to join Russia like 97% voted yes it's insane. Okay. It's, yeah, it's not a so so he said Crimea in Russia, he got such a huge boost out of it. Everybody was on board, massive PR boost. Crimea was a fucking success for him, the way he mm-hmm. looked at it. Mm-hmm. He took it, nobody died, they welcomed him there, and then he I think he had the same idea for the rest of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Because okay, so they're weak, let's just you know break apart these fuck. It's a puppet government, they're not like if you look at Afghanistan, you see what a puppet government looks like. Yeah. When you roll on a puppet government and a puppet army, you saw it's like 
it's like cobwebs. Yeah, it goes away. Yeah, I think he was surprised. It was like, oh shit, these guys are for real. Like mm-hmm. they really, the Ukrainians are really like they're for, the army is for real, the government's for real. They actually believe in their own cause, and they're actually like fierce fighters, bro. Like these guys yeah. are fighting till literally to the last bullet. I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, they're the most fierce warriors, bro. I've ever seen. Like these guys is like. You saw grandmas throwing fucking pickle jars. At they're a bunch of badasses, shit. man. They really are. It's like so inspirational for the rest of the world seeing how they're standing wow, up. It's man. crazy. It's I crazy. knew they were tough. I knew they were tough because I, I have a lot of Ukrainian friends. Bro, I have Ukrainian. They can I, they can survive. Like, I have Ukrainian. They never complain. None of my Ukrainian friends ever complains about nothing. Well, I've been through some bad shit with Ukrainian people. No problem, bro. Give them a potato and a fucking egg and a pickle. They can last a week, bro. They're good. Like, they're so wow. badass, bro. They're good at growing shit from the ground. They all fucking good with their hands to fix shit. Like wow. really fucking um, industrious people. Fucking tough as nails. So he thought, oh, I'm going to roll in. Not, not going to happen. So now he's fucking the, stuck in the Ukrainian mud. And... The biggest problem, which is a video I'm going to release today, actually talking about the fact that China is not his ally. He doesn't understand this, I think. China are not his friends. China has conflicting interests. People don't understand this. China hates the U.S. China definitely does not like the U.S. China does not love Putin. She and Putin have a great personal relationship. They're like buddy-buddy. They're making pancakes together and shit. like Like it's cringe. But China has their own stuff to worry about that has nothing to do with Ukraine. They don't give a shit about Ukraine. China's problems getting worse because of Ukraine. Mm. And even though you, you might have heard that China and Saudi Arabia are talking about yuan for, for, for yuan, yuan, uh, petro yuan, it's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I saw your video that it's, it wasn't going to work. Yeah. I'll, I'll explain in a second why not if you want in a little bit sure. in depth. But basically, China has one concern keep the lights on feed the people keep the lights on feed the people the reason why it's the most important concern for china is because otherwise the country goes to shit it's a massive massive country they're not energy dependent and their whole stability is predicated on the fact that people have food and energy and their factories can actually make shit because their whole economy is exports Mm -hmm. so it's massive export economy based on local cheap production. So you have mm-hmm. to feed the people and keep the lights on. What happens if energy prices go through the roof? Who's going to be the one who's going to get fucked the most? Yeah. They will because they're not what happens when commodity prices go through the roof, which is two things that are happening right now. Who's going to get fucked the most right? It's a country that basically has massive populations to feed and it's the factory of the world. They need cheap energy. And China mm-hmm. had a Energy crisis just a few months ago. I don't know if you remember this. As nothing. Yeah. So China is already struggling in that sense. Yeah. So China is basically sitting there saying all the right things. Uh, we support Putin. NATO is the aggressor. U.S. is the aggressor because they fucking they want to jab at the U.S. and NATO, and they want to kind of show Putin they're 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 on his side. But they yeah. haven't done jack shit to support them so far. In fact, yeah. they voted against them on the on the general assembly vote. I yep. think I don't remember if they they haven't voted for him. I think you're right. I think, yeah. But then I don't know if they voted against him. But the countries, the only countries that voted for him, were, I think North Korea, uh, uh, Syria, Belarus, and Eritrea. I think is the only ones. Yeah. But but uh, so they're saying 
yeah, you need to work it out. China's saying, oh, you guys need to work it out. Stop this shit because it's really not helping them. The fact so, um, also like China doesn't want to be caught on the wrong side of history here because this is quickly deteriorating into some really bad historical. Like if you go back in history, it's not there yet. But if he keeps bombing civilians and shit, like this is going sideways real quick. So yep. China's also don't want to be on the right side. If they want to be the world's reserve currency in 15 years, which is kind of their master plan, they don't want to be fucking, you know, the axis of evil. Right. So it's a very dangerous. So China is basically just hoping this thing goes away and the, they'll use Putin as much as they can because, okay, if we can get cheaper commodities and cheaper gas and cheaper energy from him, fine. If we can, you know, jab the US while we do it and NATO, sure. But yeah. uh, they're definitely not going to go in the, when the push comes to shove, China is going to, there's going to be a lot of space between them. Bro. You'll see it. Yeah. It's going to be very different. Yeah. One of, one of the things that really leads to what you just talked about was I think recently Biden and, uh, and uh, she sat down and one of the things that the president from China or the, you know, the, the leader of China said was that really peace is the, the primary thing we should be going after, which I think really backs up exactly what you're saying. But even peace, like cheap gas, cheap gas. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> peace <laughs> yeah and like but even in the event that that putin gets a deal say in the next week or so i don't even know how much longer this is going to go on for but it but it does seem like there's some sort of either stalemate or it's not moving as as far as it could but even in Bro, the event that putin how gets can you a, get deal, a deal let's say you yeah. want to buy a car if yeah. you can't find if you can't find the flaw in the car which you can say oh this is this, this if there's nothing there's no leverage to get a better deal right you what i'm saying right so yeah. what achievements does he have on the ground uh like, I, okay so they're they're definitely like surrounding the big cities and they're pushing yeah. and they're pushing and it's a fucking it's a it's a war of attrition but there's yeah. they haven't really there's no like victory there's no major victories there. right yeah exactly yeah yeah you have to have like the flag on the on the reichstag you know something like that like if you go back to history that has to be like a yeah. or or the, the the iwo jimo stuff like there needs to be like something that's okay we want let's yeah but but he needs, but like how 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 is it going to end though? Like it, it doesn't seem like he's going to be able to do that. Or do you think he's going to be able to claim a victory and then get a deal? Like how how are you thinking about that? He's he's winning on the ground. He's basically wearing them down with just sheer size. Mm. He has more mm. troops, more planes, more more tanks. More. He'll just keep coming and circling them and bombarding civilians to push the, to push them out. He's just basically applying pressure. Yeah. So that's kind of you, it's the same modus operandi. They'll they'll circle the city, start bombarding, and basically squeeze them out. That's wow. that's the Russian uh, art of war. It's it's horrible, by the way. Wow. So just drawn out, just keep just keep basically yeah. hurting until that the, the, they've had enough and they basically retreat essentially. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So but do you, I you think don't he he thought that this is going to work much faster because he thought mm. the army is fake. It's all fucking mm. puppet stuff and. He's finding out these guys are fucking. Uh, they're legit. Like, they're legit, bro. Ooh, yeah, they're legit. Wow. So, so they're, you don't. And you... they're fighting with like such under, like they're so undermanned and under equipped, and they're yeah. still giving him shit. Yeah, yeah. So, so you don't see this? Do you see this going on for more weeks, or do you think there is like yeah. there's going to be drawn out? Yeah, that sucks, man. That weeks. fucking sucks. Yeah, weeks. <sighs> Unless they can get a deal done. Uh, so before I go, I'll tell you something about the the stuff with the oil. Yeah. So every American should understand the importance of 
Saudi Arabia to the economy of the US, it's very, very important. It's very yeah. important. Now, it's a completely symbiotic relationship. So as much as petrodollars are insanely important for our economy, there's no time for us to get into why in this video, but trust me, it is. Yeah. Is Saudi Arabia really needs the US as well. Let's put it this way. Mm. For for multitude of reasons, uh, there's military reasons, there's economic reasons. Uh, the entire Saudi uh, oil industry is intertwined with American money, American infrastructure, American personnel, American companies. Um, not to mention the fact that Saudi is basically kind of pivoting away from, from energy into an actual economy, which they yeah. hope to get in the next 10 years. And there's massive U.S. money that's involved in this. It's called something 2030. I forgot the name, but mm -hmm. it's a big pivot, which, again, U.S. money is intertwined there. Um, so Saudis really need U.S. just as bad as U.S. needs Saudis. Mm -hmm. um, this talks with China are not news. People think that this is something that just started now because it's been, China has been at it for years, mm -hmm. for I think at least five or six years. Mm -hmm. And because the Saudis are such good uh, traders, you know what I mean? The psychology yeah. of trading, they, they're like, okay, let's talk. Sure, because they know it gives them leverage. So why not? Sure, yeah. come over here. We'll help, host you for a visit. You know what I mean? They're basically signaling. So you're kind of signaling, right? Yeah. So it makes sense. So this is not nothing new. They've never come out officially and said that they're considering that. And that was the kind of the, the news that came out of the Wall Street Journal articles. Like, oh, they're considering it. Mm. Now, I don't think this was fake news. A bunch of Saudi officials came out and said, this is fake news. This is like BS, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. I think this was planned. They put it out there, the signal, and then they retracted it, right? Mm -hmm. But they wanted to show basically to the US, hey, uh, we need you to play ball. Because the US, yeah. since the change in administration, I mean, I'm not even going to talk about Afghanistan or stuff like this. With yeah. Saudi, every possible mistake was made with Saudis mm -hmm. by this administration. Mm. They have their own shit to worry about, which is like nobody in America gives a fuck about this stuff, but they're real for them. Yeah, They have a war they're involved with in Yemen, which Americans don't even know about. And there's no help there at all. Yeah, um, They don't like the Iranians. Let's put it lightly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I think Iranians hate Saudis more than yeah. they hate Israel. <laughs> yeah. They really like they... <laughs> so yeah. they have some angry angry relationship with it. So the US is not helping with the with the with the Yemeni's war. They're about to close a fucking sweet, sweet deal with the fucking crazies in Iran. Mm -hmm. So Saudis are basically saying, like, what the fuck? I mean, the fuck is going on? You guys are mm. fucking kidding me? Yeah. They're basically saying it's basically trying to signal, hey, this is this is not cool. Now, also, the US has been very, very critical of the Jamal Khashoggi thing. Mm -hmm. The the journalist they allegedly killed in Turkey. Mm -hmm. Like there's this whole like uh, they basically killed the narrative that MBS was developing a narrative with Trump of the great like liberalist. Like mm -hmm. uh, liberalizing Saudi Arabia and Trump was playing a lot. So they stopped this whole thing. Basically, mm -hmm. they're like, oh, you're a fucking uh, dictator, this and this and this. And. Mm -hmm. It gotten so bad that 
uh, MBS didn't even reportedly pick up the phone when Biden called to ask for more capacity from OPEC to to reduce the prices a little bit. Wow. So he wouldn't. So the relationship is in shambles. Yeah. Now, does that mean that this is about to happen? That we're about to lose petrodollars? Because make no mistake about it, U.S. and Germany is NATO, and everybody's just following suit. Saudi and UAE is OPEC, and everybody else is just following suit. Mm. And Saudi and UAE, they move in complete concert. They they have their like that. Mm. So if you lose Saudi, you lose the UAE. Okay, mm. they don't mm-hmm. they don't do it. They're so is this also everything I've just told you? Like okay, so they're about to lose petrodollars and fucking send their economy to shambles because petrodollars is the, essentially the building blocks of the US dollar as the world's reserve currency, which is the building block of the strength of the US economy. Yeah. And thank you to Richard Nixon for that. And nobody like gives him credit for that. Richard right. really played. But he fucked it up with the, with the goal before. So it's a complete yeah. story. But yeah. Anyways, yeah. so does this mean they'll do it? No. And here's why. Because the fucking Chinese don't want it. Not really. It, the Chinese are trying to build a relationship to get it done sometime in the future. They don't want mm. it now. Mm. And here's the reason why. If you're a 90% exporter, the worst thing you can have is your currency overtaking the currency in which you're selling to. So basically, as an exporter, you want as weak of a currency as possible. Mm. Think about it, right? You're selling goods, you're getting US dollars. If the conversion rate is such that you're getting less yuans, Mm. you're fucking with the local Mm -hmm. exporters, which Mm -hmm. is basically your entire economy. So Mm -hmm. if you want to make a move on the dollar, the first thing you need to do is you need to pivot away from a 90% export economy into an actual economy that also consumes what the U.S. has. That needs at least 15 more years. They'll do it. They'll do it, the Chinese. Yeah. They'll make a play for it. But the other thing is also, look, let's say they do it. It's a suicide for them economically. If they if they petro yuan happens tomorrow, the dollar basically plummets and they basically fuck because they're all their export is is it's a it's a, it's a suicide move for them. Yeah, they're not yeah. gonna do it. There's yeah. other stuff. I mean, the yuan is not really a world accepted currency, it's not a stable. What kind of rule of law is there in China? Zero yeah. rule of law, it's complete fucking random megalomania communist fucking cockfest circle jerk. <laughs> I mean, uh, people disappear, people come back. I mean, it's just, it's, they need massive reforms in China, which yeah. would essentially mean the death of the CCP mm. plus complete pivot of the economy to make a move on the dollar, mm. which I think might be relevant in like 2045 or something like that. Got but it. then the talks is not about like people like, oh, this is the result of Ukraine. No, it's not the result of Ukraine and Russia and the sanctions. This has been going on for years. And also this is never going to happen. Yeah. Not in the not in this decade, at least. Yeah, there's too many pieces that have to happen before that's even a realistic conversation. Just yeah, but just the U.S. is making every mistake possible. Like yeah. everything that after they're that catalyzing out, the movement towards that, basically. Yeah, but ever yeah. since this came out, the U.S. was basically pushing back on that instead of yeah. picking up the phone without everybody knowing and say, "Hey, what do you guys need? Let's let's like they're pushing the narrative, like they're pushing back." Yeah, like yeah. you can look look at the mainstream media in the U.S. and you'll see. What's the mindset of the government is? Mm. It's mm. not about like appeasing Saudi. It's going to be like you see it 
very quickly. Yeah. They're making yeah. the same mistakes again. I think this... Uh, also, don't forget, and this is kind of uh, a crazy theory, but MBS had a really good relationship with Donald Trump because they understood each other, which is mm. it's all business, right? You th- you don't think MBS wants to fuck with this with these midterms by pulling? Wow. You know, he just took out a sacred cow, right? Basically yeah. Talk about so maybe it's that. This might be a million different reasons, or it yeah. might be just fake news. Who knows? Yeah, but it's always like even even when you say crazy theory, like you never be too surprised at what goes on behind closed doors, and that's one yeah. thing that I've like started to learn. And yeah. I sometimes saw it with my own two eyes in specific situations, but crazy. Dude, I know you got to go. We're, I can't believe we're at an hour and 20 in already. I had so many more things I wanted to ask you, but I want to be respectful of your time. Thank you so much for stopping by, man. I really it's appreciate you making the time. It's, dude, it's, I had a blast. You're welcome back anytime. So if you want to want to swing back, you have an open invitation. Uh, I definitely want to sure. pick your brain on Palantir at some point as well, because I, I have some questions, but we can save that for another oh, time. Oh, we but did yeah, speak man. about Palantir. Yeah, we yeah. have to do part two then, for sure. Are, for are sure. You, oh, yeah, let's, let's do part two. And yeah, man, thanks again for, for coming on. Really respect the work you do, man. I can tell you're freaking hustling and working really hard. And I can tell you're free doing what you do. And it's it's very inspiring. It's something that I see that I also want to emulate with the stuff that I want to do. So I want to thank you for being an inspiration, man. I think there's a lot of people that look up to the stuff that you do. And I just, I really appreciate everything you've done. And thank thanks so again much. for giving me the time and really appreciate it. It's appreciate my you, man. pleasure. And we're doing part two for sure. Hell yeah. Let's do it, man. All right, everybody. Let- Peace out. Everybody.